Today we're in a series, we're in the middle of a series here called Living Proof. Uh, Living Proof, we're walking through the book of Philippians, and we're actually in chapter 3 today, and we're just saying, Lord, what's it look like when you, as our Heavenly Father, caring for this family, uh, what does that look like as you put your stamp, your thumbprint on our heart and soul? Uh, Lord, we're ready to be led by you and shaped by you. Uh, What should that look like? All right. And today coming out of chapter three, it's uh, living for his righteousness, living for his righteousness, not living for my, but living for his righteousness. All right. So turn with me, if you will, to Philippians chapter three, starting in verse one, Philippians three, we got ushers coming forward. If you don't have a Bible and you need one, just raise your hand and they'll get one to you. All right. Philippians three. Uh, verse 1. Just raise your hand and they'll get a Bible to you. We go verse by verse through the passage, and so it'll be a help to have a Bible if you do not have one. All right? Philippians 3, verse 1. And so our first point and what it looks like to live for his righteousness, what's it look like? Well, celebrate your joy in Christ. Uh, be cautious of joy stealers. That's the first point. Celebrate your joy in Christ and be cautious of joy stealers. Notice what it says in starting in verse one here. Finally, my brothers rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. He starts out. Finally, that's a word that means like. And we're turning the corner and we're headed for home. And, uh, but this is Paul. And so that means we're only halfway through the letter. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, he'll actually bring the word finally up again in chapter four, verse eight. It's kind of a concluding thing. It's like a, Hey, so let's get to one thing. I really wanted to make sure I say to you. All right. Finally. And, uh, he says, finally, my brothers, those who are trusting in Jesus Christ, uh, rejoice in the Lord celebration. Thank you, Lord. Isn't it easy to uh, think of how tired we are or frustrated we are or concerned that we are and uh, we begin to be experts of our own inner feelings and we don't actually turn around and say, thank you, God. I'm in awe, God, of what you're doing. I rejoice, Lord, in what you're doing here. And, And in fact, I don't even understand it, Lord. This is not the way I decide for it to go, but nonetheless, your hand on it, what could be better? I rejoice in the Lord. Uh, Ups and downs, the good and the bad, make sure you're thanking God for his hand on it, his sovereign hand ruling and leading. Uh, Remember, we say sovereignty, right? It's God allows and he disallows and he makes happen. Three different parts to sovereignty. And trust me, God is always in control of what's going on. And so, Lord, what are you trying to do here? What are you trying to teach me here? What should I be doing and learning with you? I'm listening to your sovereign hand. I rejoice in you. Always. He says, to write the same things to you is no trouble to me. To write this, we don't really exactly know what this means. Uh, some say it ties back to Philippians chapter 1, starting at verse 27, where he puts the challenge on. And, he, and he's like, hey, walk in a manner worthy. And, and, and there's a piece there. And maybe that's what he's talking about. Maybe he's referring back to a part of this letter. Uh, maybe he said this multiple times over. And this thing that's about to come is like, I know I'm reminding you, 
But trust me, as a parent, you need to hear it 90,000 times. And so I'm repeating it one more time. This is something important for you to know, right? And so I write these things and it's no trouble for me. Trust me, just a little more ink off the pen. Here we go, right? And uh, so I'm going to write these things to you. It's not a trouble. In fact, it's safe for you, safe for you. And the original language here, he's saying it, it actually is, uh, it keeps you from stumbling. That's what it means. Keeps you from stumbling. Uh, it's a lot like you picture in a house where there's a little one-year-old starting to run around, right? And so you go and you buy those gates that it takes nine hours to figure out how to work. And every time you push the thing down, it's too short, right? And you're like, oh, and now the thing's flopping all over. Or you open it up a little more and then you push it down and you can't get it down now because it's too long. And you're like, right? Those wonderful gates. And when we finally get it set right, it's locked in tight. And then every time you walk into a room, you're like, it's no trouble for me. Right? That's, that's what Paul's saying. I have to keep going over things and around things, but I'm telling you, if it means your safety, I'm good with it. It's like the little drawer locks so that they can't get into things. And you always forget, always, that they're there. And so you pull with full force and you about pull your shoulder out of your socket. <laughs> no trouble for me because it's safe for you. Right? And that's what he's talking about. I want you to understand that I care about you. And if it takes a little extra effort, I'm good with it. As long as it puts you in a good spot. And uh, so he gives a couple commands here right after it. Three commands in a row and they all have the same verb. Look out. Uh, look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Um, this command is saying, please watch out for some people who are trying to steal your joy. And in fact, these three nouns over and over again refer back to the same person or people group. All right. The dogs, the evildoers, the mutilators of the flesh. What's he talking about? Well, he's talking about a group of people called the Judaizers. All right. And what they were teaching was yeah, saved through faith. That's great. And. And you need to be circumcised. You need to visit a surgeon and have something done. And if that thing is not done then I'm telling you, you're not saved. They're adding to it. It's faith and. It's Jesus and. That's their game plan. And he says, I got some words for them. Dogs. You know, in this case, this isn't the little house pet that lives inside that's all pretty and has the little bow tie around the neck. And the, He's talking to like street animals who will live off of anything. Vermin-carrying beasts running the streets. Dogs. And it's not a compliment. It's a slam. And in fact, he then says, evildoers, gives us a little more clarity. You're about doing the things that are against the very cross of Christ. We're going to see that come up in a little bit. You're against the cross of Christ. Your thing is to do the thing that Jesus died for. You're actually going in and adding to and making it more about you. You and your works. Like somehow you and your self-righteousness are going to get it done. Like Jesus on the cross, that was nice. But it actually doesn't accomplish it. I, I must do some things. And uh, that's the Jesus and plan. And uh, it's a bad plan. Everybody say bad plan. Bad plan. It's Jesus only. It's faith in him. 
And he does all the work at the cross and our belief in him and our confession of him. Yes, it calls us to action, but works do not get us saved and works do not keep us saved. Works are something that we need to be all about as a thank you offering back to him. Trust me, we're going to be covering that big time next week. All right. Huge part of next week's chapter uh, at the end of it. And I'm telling you, it's essential. Can I say that loud enough and firm enough? It's essential that we grasp that God does call us to good works in him, to celebrate who he is, but that is not what saves us. Amen? That's a good spot for an amen. Like, we are not saved through our works, but we are saved to be doing good works that God might be glorified. Please, if you're holding on to something and you're like, no, sir, I'm going to give him all this. But I'm not going to give them this. There's something that needs to be let go of then today. We are saved to be about him and to be with him. Uh, That doesn't save us, but it's a celebration of being saved. All right. And uh, so if you're holding on to something today, please get ready to give it up that God might be glorified. Okay. So he says um, dogs and evildoers and uh, mutilators of the flesh. And he's talking about circumcision here. He's talking about an uncomfortable topic that we don't like to talk about much. And uh, it's coming out of Acts chapter 15, verse 1. Uh, and you don't have to go there, but he actually is talking to these people called the Judaizers. And then they basically are quoted as saying, unless you're circumcised, you cannot be saved. So you can visit the great physician and he can do a miracle work through your faith. But you still need to visit a human physician or it ain't going to happen. That's what they were trying to say. Uh, And everybody says, wrong. That is not where we're going. Uh, You visit the great physician, the almighty king. You trust in him. You believe in him. You confess him as your king. He calls you to action in him. And that is saved. And I'm telling you, faith alone in his work on the cross alone saved the end. In fact, Paul gets a little bit militant on it now. And he says, hear me now, for we are the circumcision. I'm going to take that word hostage and I'm going to apply it forward. And how dare Paul do that? Like that's a word that physically means something very specific. And now you're changing the word. And what are you getting into? And actually he's following through with Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 33. And where there's a talk of the heart having the law written on it. And he's saying, I'm telling you, it's a spiritual plan of life change in the heart. And you want to know who the chosen ones are? That's how circumcision was used, right? To indicate chosen ones. You want to know who the chosen ones are? We are the chosen ones. Those who worship by the Spirit of God, glory in Christ Jesus, and put no confidence in the flesh. We worship and we glory and we put no confidence. I don't know if you know this, but in speaking, there is power in threes, in triplets, in putting three things back to back together to try to make a point. Like if I'm trying to make a point to you, I'm like, I got so excited about it. I mean, I was on fire. God was moving in my soul. And you're, you're listening and you're like, wow, the guy's kind of passionate about that. And part of it is the tone. But part of it is the repeat. And when you use threes, you're trying to make a point. And and notice that Paul used threes. 
He says, look out for the dogs, evildoers, and mutilators. Three. Who we should look out for is in threes. But he also uses threes for who is the chosen ones. Three. And he says, those who worship, those who glory, and those who put no confidence in the flesh. To worship by the Spirit of God. What does that mean? It means that, yes, I'm uh, maybe caught up in a song at some times. And I'm singing these words and I'm lifting up my hands even maybe. Maybe there's tears coming down my face. It might mean that I'm not singing at all. I've come to a moment where I'm quiet before him. And I just let that moment speak. It might mean there's a time where I'm reading his word. And I just stop. And I pray that phrase back to him that I just read. Because it so stuns me about who he is. Worship. It might mean you're at work, your job, where God has placed you, and you recognize that. And so as you're serving him, as you serve those around you, you have a great attitude in the midst of something going terribly wrong. And your boss is being a jerk, and you've got a great spirit about it. Worship. Because my God has his hand on this. It's whatever you're called to through the Holy Spirit moving in you that God might get the greater glory. It's all of your life, not a part of your life. Too often we treat uh, worship or Jesus as having a sliver of a pie and we get the rest. And uh, that's a mistake in a viewpoint. Christ in everything affecting all of it that God might get the greater glory. He's a part of every piece. And now you get the better picture. And so what does that look like for me to worship in spirit or by the spirit of God? It means that you are taken up with the grandeur of your king. It means that you spend time saying, Lord, teach me who you are. And then I'm going to act and I'm going to speak and I'm going to be quiet before you as I recognize your greatness. Worship by the Spirit of God. And then glory in Jesus Christ. Uh, Celebrate the grandeur of Jesus. And and put those words on your lips. Uh, Hear me. The personal name of Jesus Christ is an important name to say. To say the name Jesus. And to make sure you say it regularly. I'm telling you, there is something tender in it. There's even something, guys. Hear me this. Guys. There's something in you saying it that's going to be huge for your families to say we worship Jesus. He's ruling this home, Jesus Christ, and we're giving him our all. Guys, you lead huge by using more than the name God as a title, but using Jesus Christ's personal name, even with title attached like Christ, you can say it alone. Jesus, make sure his name is delivered in your home. Make sure that people know who you stand for and why you stand for them. His glory, Jesus, shown off in my life. May Jesus Christ be lifted up. It's no more Jesus and, it's Jesus only. And uh, he says, to glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Put no confidence in the flesh. Man, isn't it easy to put confidence in our flesh? And boy, that sounds biblical in phrase when you use words like flesh. Okay, let me put it this way. Isn't it easy to get cocky? 
to get proud. You should see what I've accomplished. And, and I'm working on this and, and I succeeded. And let me tell you what I'm doing at work. Let me tell you the promotion I got. Let me tell you the nine people I'm smarter than. Right? And we get caught up in it. I'm in school. You should see my grades. And you should see my GPA. And I know they're politically correct and so they don't pick class rank anymore. But I bet I'm number one. Right? And how easy it is to get caught up in me. Put no confidence in the flesh. Set it down. Jesus only. Glory in him. May he get my everything. And no matter what I accomplish, I accomplish it simply because, God, you poured it in. You're the author and perfecter, and I'm trusting in you. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. Celebrating your joy in Jesus. Be cautious of joy stealers, the people who come in and teach Jesus and. Uh, Down with Jesus and. That's not what it's all about. Up with Jesus only. Now that's where Christ is calling us to. Lord, we want to celebrate you and help me now in this moment to live specifically for you. Uh, you know, it's springtime. And uh, so now the colors come out, right? And, uh, and so everything starts blooming back. And uh, this year with all the rains and all that, I mean, man, have we got colors blowing up all over our house and the grass getting all green. My kids hear this every year from me. Uh, as we sit at our back kitchen table and I look out and I say, man, our grass isn't nearly as green as the neighbors. And it's not, I don't know what he does. He's got magic and it's dark, rich green. And we get this kind of lighter green thing. And I don't know, I'm about ready to blame the fertilizer we're using, but whatever. And so we get this light greenish kind of look and he's got this deep, rich, awesome, tight cut grass. And I haven't been able to get out there in a while and and ain't looking as pretty. You know what I'm saying? And so we look over at his grass and we just appreciate his during the spring. <laughs> All right. Maybe it's just me in the home doing that, but it is just me <laughs> pulling out of the house this last week. And, and, uh, I looked up and I said, John, check out that tree. It was one of the trees on our property. It's a crab apple tree. It is like bright pinks and purples just on fire with color this year. So gorgeous that pink and purple vibrant statement of there is life in this tree. And, uh, Paul saying, Hey man, show springtime in your life. May, may you live in a way that you look like bright pinks and purples to this world where people are going, there is life in that guy. There is life in that woman. As you give Jesus Christ alone, the glory and you let him reign in your life and he stirs in you a passion you may have never had before and he teaches you to long for him maybe like never before and uh god may we celebrate you no more jesus and jesus only may we go after that so question uh how are you doing with the jesus only plan anything that you're kind of Hanging your hat on, uh, thinking more confidently about in yourself and wanting God to actually appreciate too. Maybe today's the day to just lay it down at his feet and say, I'm done with that. You glorified Lord, Jesus only. That's where I'm going. Point number two, 
Do not be confident in earthly success. Do not be confident in earthly successes. And it's easy to do it. And uh, so Paul gives us a nice little statement here. He says, uh, starting in verse 4, Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh. Now tie this together with the prior verse, right? What did he just get to saying? Put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason. Is Paul being proud here? Like, what's he doing? Why is he going off on this little thing about himself? And uh, let's be honest. Um, in fact, Paul very well may be wrestling with a little bit of pride. I'm just going to say that. I'm going to put that out there. And uh, you can write me your emails later if you don't believe so. I'm fine with that. Uh, I will say this, though. Paul has some pretty good reason for saying, hey, if you want to make flesh count, let me talk about flesh. Uh, this is like the valedictorian number one top of the top dog. And he's like, don't talk about yourselves. And if you want to talk about yourselves, let me talk about this first. So that you're like, okay, never mind, right? It's like, let me tell you about flesh and having it together. Here's flesh and having it together. Though I myself have um, reason for confidence in the flesh. If anyone thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Moving on, right? Circumcised on the eighth day. The rule in the law was after birth, you give seven days. The mom was unclean for seven days. On the eighth day, you circumcise the child. Uh, this said two things. Number one, my parents follow the law. Uh, number two, I'm, I'm part of Israel. I am Jewish. And number three, it says very clearly, uh, I am not a proselyte, someone who came to Jesus, came to the Messiah and the Jewish following later in life. At birth, baby. At birth. Uh, on the eighth day, circumcised. Uh, that was a big deal. There was sort of a class structure. And in the Jewish environment, if you were an at-birth guy, you were higher. Okay? And so he says, circumcised on the eighth day for all of those keeping track of that. And uh, I am of the people of Israel. Yes, I am one of God's chosen people. And uh, of the tribe of Benjamin. Let's be specific. I'm not giving you abstracts. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. And uh, this was the tribe where Saul came from, first king, right? The first king in Israel, I'm from that tribe. And uh, so he's being specific to let you know it's real. And he's also letting you know from a kingly tribe. Hebrew of Hebrews, uh, I had my act together in the Jewish domain. And uh, as to the law, a Pharisee. Like you want to talk about the law. If we're going to talk about earning it in the flesh, let me tell you something. Pharisee. And uh, now when we hear the word Pharisee, the first thing we hear is uh, arrogant, bigot, uh, wrong thinker, uh, externals only. We think of all the bad that Jesus taught. And that's not wrong. We're catching a right part of their heart. But know this, when it came to the Jewish community, the Pharisees were utterly respected of the law. They were the guys who got it the best. And so when he says a Pharisee, he's like, I'm telling you, I implemented and acted on in every day and in every way, just as I should have, according to the law. And, and they all went, whoa, right? And that's where we are. Uh, he has, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church. Let me tell you something. I was so adamant about the law and Judaism that I killed people who said they believed in Jesus Christ. Uh, anybody got more zeal than that here? Anybody? That's kind of what he's doing. He's doing the call out here. Like I'm telling you, if you want to call out flesh, I'm going to point out that I have more. Hang on. He's got a reason for it. We're going to get to it. He's not just showing off his pride. 
Just hang on. He then says, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. What? Did he just call himself blameless? What's he talking about? Here's what he's saying. Where the law said to do something, I did it. And where I came up short, the law gives a way to cover with blood. And I covered. So I either did it or I covered it. Every day under the law, covered. I got it. I'm telling you, I understand this beast and I'm working with it. Law? Oh, yeah. I got it. Blameless. Uh, Either got it right or got it covered. Now, here's the problem with the law. The law is perfect. The law does not transform. The law is meant to be that measuring stick that shows us we've come up short. Every time you needed to go cover, what you were supposed to realize from the law is, oh, I'm not perfect. I'm coming up short of God's glory and perfection. And and so I need to cover with this. It was a type looking forward of being able to be covered by Jesus Christ and his shed blood. And, And so, yes, you got it blameless under the law, but that doesn't transform your heart even for a moment. No transformation, no change. And, uh, bummer. Can you imagine every single day, distant from your God, trying to earn in, finding yourself blameless under the law, and yet no transformation, no change. Hopeless before your king. Under the law, blameless, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss. For the sake of Christ. And that's the key. Whatever I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. I gave you this awesome list because I want you to understand. I crumple it up and I throw it out. It is nothing. Jesus Christ and his shed blood. Everything. Anything I could have done with my works and my actions and my righteousness. Nothing. Whether I'm trying to be pure or I'm covering that purity, it's all me. And it comes up short. And uh, so, Lord, may you have my soul. I count it as loss that you might be glorified. He's handing it over to Jesus Christ. And my request to you is simply this. How are you doing with your resume? How are you doing in handling the greatness of you? And uh, let me just throw this in there. A little statement about the Pharisees. Uh, Any man from his boyhood had to go through rigorous training to become a Pharisee. Uh, Required to memorize all five books of the Old Testament, the Moses writings, the, the Pentateuch. So they had to memorize Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Uh, That was stage one of being a Pharisee. Get it done and get it done early. Uh, You better memorize all five books. Next, you had to uh, be memorizing the Mishnah and the Talmud. You had to move into the traditional statements from man and get those things memorized. So you're getting into 600 and plus laws memorized. You're getting into massive amounts of scripture put into memory, demanding rituals daily like fasting and prayer, bathing three times a day. Most kids would freak out on that one. Uh, Paul may have even been a part of the Sanhedrin. That's not exactly clear. Some think he is, some think he's not. The Sanhedrin, you see it come up, especially in Acts 23, 1 through 6, where Paul is pretty aware of what's going on with the Sanhedrin. Uh, To be a part of that, it was 70 members and a high priest. Uh, 
You would have to do master subjects of mathematics, politics, the oratory, philosophy, history, medicine, and astronomy. That's all. And uh, so peak of performance and achievement. And uh, quite the resume. And Paul's like, throw it away. It doesn't get us Christ. Are you hearing it? It doesn't get us Christ. We're going to talk about it more in the third point, but hear me on this one. Uh, We are not saved so that we don't have to go to hell. We are not saved so that we get to go to heaven. We are not saved so that we can have blessings here on earth. We are saved to give God glory and to know him. We are saved for Jesus, not for me. Are you hearing that? We are saved for Jesus, not for me. And let that settle because it'll change the whole way you live and decide things. Uh, Like all of a sudden this salvation thing, we're like, all right, fine. I'll take a little of that to be saved. And you can start blessing over here too. And, And what are we doing? I think I'm God. Pour it on me. And it isn't about me. It's about Jesus Christ. And your job is simply this. For him. That's your job. I count everything loss for the sake of Jesus Christ. For him. And uh, I'm telling you, there's a lot of you here and you're hearing these words and you're like, wonder what we're going to have for lunch. And uh, please don't check out. This is massive import. If we don't get that it's for Jesus, we're making ourselves too big and him too small. He is not our servant because he's our servant. He's our servant because he's the king of the universe who chose to come and get on one knee for us at the cross. And let me tell you this, he will be standing up. He will be an authority over. He will be reigning and ruling as God of the universe. And he will have his rightful spot. We see him as servant only. We miss who he is. He is also king of the universe. Jesus Christ and everything we do for him. May my God be glorified in this moment as I make this decision about my work or my family or the words I would like to say right now to my spouse whom I'm frustrated with and I'm about ready to cap off on you and but for Jesus... (laughs) I'm going to hang on here and let's work this out and honor each other and then honor him in the midst. My God will be glorified. And don't toy with this for Jesus. Please count it all loss for him. So simple question. Hey, what's your resume? Uh, When somebody walks up to you and goes, so tell me about yourself. Do you start with, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Or do you start with, well, I went to the University of Illinois and got a degree. And uh, I'm currently a businessman or an engineer. I have my own company. I, I work as an electrician. And, and guys, that's the first thing we do, just so you know. We define ourselves by what we do. Start defining yourselves by who you know. Jesus Christ. Set down that resume and pick up him. All right? What's that look like for you? What do you need to set down that you keep trying to wow people with? And let God have number one. Okay.
confident in Christ. That's what he calls us to. Be confident in Christ, not in our earthly successes. So point number three, be confident in Christ and all you can have in him for his glory. Be confident in Christ and all you can have in him for his glory. He starts out now, indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Indeed. And, uh, hey, are you living an indeed life? You know, one of those where you'd say this, when's the last time you said the word indeed? Right? It's not a word we use often, right? But what does the word mean? It's like, absolutely, of course, obviously. And, uh, are you using that word? I know Jesus Christ and it's painfully obvious how I should go. I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth. Nothing equal. Surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ as Lord. Of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. You get to know him. I'm not making that up, right? That's what it says. Know him. Please. Let's get done knowing about him. Let's get done knowing uh, the truths that maybe are impressive about him. And let's start knowing him. He goes on, for his sake, I have suffered loss of all things and count them as rubbish. Uh, Many of you have heard this. This word is pretty rough. Uh, I've counted as at the worst or at the best. It means like uh, garbage, rotten food. That's the best. At the worst, it means dung. Right. I count it as absolutely disgusting. That's what I have in me. Nothing. I would never touch it. I would never keep it. Imagine that image that Paul just created. So tell me about yourself. Let me pull out a little bit of dung here. Right? That's what he's saying. Stop talking about you and start talking about your God. It's rubbish. Why? In order that, purpose statement, every time you see that phrase, in order that, or the word for, right? Those are purpose statements. In order that I may gain Christ. Lord, may I have you and you alone. Do you hear the personal call of Paul here? He is not asking you to know about Christ. That I might gain knowledge of Christ. No, that I might gain Christ. Big deal. That um, He goes on right after it. That I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, We've talked, discussed that, set that down. But that, um, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. You can only have one righteousness that counts. His. Be clothed with His righteousness. How do I get that righteousness? It says, depends on faith. And so our trusting in him, our believing in him, our confessing him as Lord, then he clothes us with what we could never attain ourselves. And we're now wearing these white robes of righteousness from Jesus Christ. And nothing I do could ever earn anything near equal to that. Nothing equal. Stop talking about the list of things you've done. And start talking about your king, whom you love and know. That's what we're talking about. In order that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. 
We will follow through with actions, by the way, once we have faith in him and we're trusting him and the Holy Spirit starts convicting us of sin and righteousness and judgment, we will start moving with him. And none of that keeps salvation. None of that earns salvation, but all of that is like a fruit of salvation. Being with him is going to be calling my heart to change. And uh, that's a big deal. No license to sin in this. I'm saved, so I do what I want. That worries me. Can I say that clear enough? I'm not sure what that position is, but that position is at the least abusive of our Savior. And at the most, may not even be saved. Please be careful with that. I'm going to toy with you. And uh, we'll discuss more of this next week. He comes on big on this position. Be careful with where you stand. And do not toy with your king. It's all about him and knowing him and giving him the first fruits in our life. That I may know him. Here we go. He gives us four things that we get to know. Uh, and that's a great way to end. So why would I come to Jesus Christ? And four things you get to have and know. All right. Four things you get to know. Ready? Number one, that I may know him. Covered that enough today, haven't we? That I may know him. It's all of it. That's number one. I get to know him. And let me just tell you something. Um, when my wife and I started dating, um, I did not ask for a sheet that described her likes and her dislikes and, and, and get to talk about some things that she might want to do later in life and then go home and memorize those and then file them away and go, good enough. I have no Jana now. And I didn't do that. Instead, I was like, you want to go out on a date? And, and she said, yes, thankfully. And we are where we are today. And uh, so we go out on a date and we're sitting together and it's, tell me about yourself. And I want to hear where she's at and I want to hear what's going on. And as she ends up sharing um, like a CD or a t- actually it was a cassette tape. That's old. That's pathetic. <laughs> it was a cassette that went in my car. And uh, so she gave me a cassette of some songs she wrote that went along with some growth she was having at the moment that stirred her heart. And she sang those songs and recorded them. I'm playing those. They're changing my worship. And I'm telling you, the whole time I'm like, I want to date this girl and know this girl. And I want to know her. And, and I'm glad for the music. And I'm glad for the information. But I want to st- spend time with her. And like that's what it's about. Please don't just know the scripture. Please don't just know facts about Jesus Christ. Know him. Personal. As he moves in your life. As he shapes in your life. Let him move in you. Know him. And then second. Not just know him. But know the power of his resurrection. Get this. uh, We're told that. Jesus Christ raised from the dead and the power that raised him up and is now seated in him at the right hand of the father and will eventually give him authority over everything as he returns as king of kings and lord of lords. That power at work in you if you trust in him as your savior. That's what changes us from one degree of glory to the next. Not you muscling it. But you making sure that as you put your effort forward, you're also cooperating with God and his power is unleashed in you and you get to know his power the power that resurrected jesus from the dead at work in you whatever sin you're struggling with whatever secret sin is going on hear me on this one god's power can be unleashed upon that and it is nothing in his eyes destroyed and removed and you purified 
hand it over to him. May God have his way with your soul. The power of his resurrection unleashed in you and you celebrating victory because that sin is done and it's behind you. It's history. I know my God and he's at work in me. Know the power of his resurrection and know his sufferings. This isn't saying that you're going to share and carrying his wrath. He does that alone. We're not worthy. But there are things he walks us through that shape us and grow us. And as we struggle through the tough times, God shapes us. First Peter uh, chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. He says very clearly, I'm telling you, you're going to be purged like gold, purified with the heat of sufferings. And uh, so you hear me say it all the time, but hear it again. If you think Christianity is a call to uh, nothing but blessing and ease and prosperity, I don't know what TV channel you're on, but turn it off. It's a lie. Christianity is about a king who's working to purify us, his power unleashed in us, struggles that he walks us through that God might be shown the glory, and we're ready to go with him through it. I'm ready to suffer with you and know your sufferings, Lord. That's what it looks like. To know him... To know the power of his resurrection, to know his sufferings, to know his death. And then he says that by any means possible, I may attend to the, uh, to the resurrection. That I may attain to the resurrection. Now hear me on this. A lot of people read this and it says that by any means possible, I might attain. That if somehow I could attain, this is not Paul like, you can know him. It'll be unbelievable. And uh, I hope somehow, maybe, like he did not just back down and become soft. This is him saying in total humility, I don't earn that. I, it isn't mine rightly to declare. And I can't even believe that God is going to raise me up and glorify me and place me in the heavens with the King of Kings for eternity. How dare I declare it? I simply say that somehow I might attain to, do you hear the humility in it? Absolutely. Paul believes in it. And 100% he humbly says, nothing of me. Everything of you, Jesus, you are God almighty and you've got my attention and you've got my worship and I'm handing everything over to you. Live in his righteousness that our king might be glorified. That's Philippians chapter three, verses one through 11. And our simple call is this. It's Mother's Day. And uh, so enjoy time with your mom, whether it be a phone call or whatever. Uh, Enjoy time with your family. But please hear me on this. Your job is to worship your king with all you've got. Lord, what does that look like as I take that next step forward? How can I go after you and glorify you with all I have? I'm done with my resume. Down with me. Up with you. No more Jesus and. It's Jesus only. And I worship him with all I've got. And all of God's people said, let's pray.